0: If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 10, and we will continue verses 13 through 16. And I know some of you are getting real jittery right now because it's a blank page, Um, but it's going to be all right. I'm not going to change the sermon on you today. We are going to look at, come on, disciples, from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. And uh, this morning, uh, we continue on from where we've been, looking at last week, looking at divorce and remarriage. And the next uh, passage that we get is verses 13 through 16 on um, the fathers and the parents bringing the children to Jesus and the interaction that happens with the disciples and with Jesus and the parents interacting with Jesus. So uh, I've titled this sermon, Come On Disciples. And we've been through this before, but it just, it, it I think it's good for us to talk about as often as we see it, right? It's a recurring theme all throughout Mark's gospel that you at times just want to say words like, come on, disciples, right? Just like uh, if there's your, your dog at your house that's just not doing the right thing. You just say, come on, spot. You got to get the Come on, spot. Stop. Like, you know, you feel that sometimes. You're just like, come on, disciples. Or read the scripture over and over. You just want to lash out and say, come on, guys come on. You, at some point, at some point, y'all are going to get this, right? And they do, they do. But for, for now, you just, you, you sense to come to it and say, come on, disciples. And so I, I want to just, before we get into the text, well, let me read the, the scripture, and then let, let me go back to this for a second. Mark chapter 10, 13 through 16 would say, and they were bringing children to him that Jesus might touch or bless them, and, he, and his disciples rebuked them meaning he rebuked those that were bringing the children to him. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms, and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Let's pray together. Lord, would you open our hearts open our minds so that we would not leave this sanctuary the same way that we came in or teach us may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you lord we thank you for your grace that is sufficient and it's in jesus name that we pray amen so in the moments that we want to say words like come on disciples we often need to ask ourselves do we fit into this category That oftentimes we look at the disciples over and over and over again, missing the mark. I mean, you'll be reminded that just a few uh, scriptures ago in Mark chapter 9, the disciples were out rebuking a man who was an unsanctioned healer, right? He was a guy who was healing people, but he wasn't part of their tribe. And so the disciples, thinking that they're going to be awesome, are trying to stop this man. And they come back, and Jesus rebukes them, being like, what are you guys doing why would you stop this man who's doing good in my name? Why would you try to stop him? Right? And after that, they're, they're talking about who's going to be the greatest, and Jesus rebukes them in that level. Right? So over and over and over again, these guys just get it wrong time and time again. They've seen the most miraculous of things, yet they keep on getting it wrong. And so first and foremost, I just want to remind us as a people, as a church, as a congregation, because I, I feel this in my heart, that there's often moments and times in my life where if I were to look back and say, how did I mess that up again? Right now, let, let's be honest. If, if there was a Bible book written in which your story were to parallel alongside it, let's just say that one of you were to have a book written by another party about your life, do you think there would often be time for people would say, man, he just, he just kept missing it. And look, at, look at all these times and moments where he had the opportunity and he just missed it again. And you're reading through thinking, I, I wonder if at some point if they're going to have a redemption part of this story or if this thing's just going to keep on missing it, right? I mean, if you were to read the story of Mark Bethay, there would be several seasons and moments where you'd be like, how did he miss this thing? I mean, it was all right there in front of him. Everything he needed was right there. How did did he miss this thing? What a dull dude, right? Right, And I'm not. I'm putting myself out there because I know your story would be the same, right? All God's people said. All right? So I'm not in lone company here. I know that as we read this and we look at the disciples, so often we can think, how do they miss it? right? The second kick of a mule has no education value, so we've heard. And so we believe they keep on missing the kicks of the mule telling them, hey guys, how are y'all missing this over and over and over again? So first and foremost, I want to remind us As often as the Lord leads us and guides us and demonstrates himself to us, as often as we learn these wonderful things that God is trying to teach us, as often as we sit at his feet and as we are learning the goodness of the Lord in our lives, as often as we see his handiwork showing and demonstrating himself to us, let's learn from it and let's grow through it. Let's take these lessons that God is teaching us and showing us. Let's learn from what He is showing us day in and day out and let's adjust accordingly. Let's not continue walking into these situations in which we continue to fall short. Let's learn. Let's grow. Let's grow in Christ's likeness and, and maturity. But also want to remind you of the grace that seems to be so evident here. That even though Time in and time again, these disciples miss it completely. These are the very same guys that Jesus has chosen for this task. Now, I've shared with you many a time that if I were Jesus, so often I would think these guys have got to go and I've got to find 12 more, right? Like, They've just got to go. They've, we've got to get new ones because they keep on messing up the kingdom activity, right? But these are precisely the guys that Jesus has so chosen to walk with him to be with him, to learn at his feet that would eventually get it right. And so for those of you today, afresh and anew, if you feel like you are fallen over and over and over and over again, as we'll talk about in just a few moments, we'll see God's grace sufficient here. But take comfort in the disciples' continued failure. And when I say take comfort, I don't mean just wallow in it and say, this is awesome, I can keep failing because the disciples did. Failure is awesome, let me just hang out in the mud. Of course not. We see Jesus continue to rebuke and call them to live according to his calling. And so today, if you have continued to fall short time and time again, recognize God's gracious love and care for you. That would call you up and say, You're better. I know you can do this. I know you got this. I believe in you. I believe that you are capable. I believe that you can do this thing. Here, God's His spirit only just said, you can do this thing. Don't give up. Don't think you're too far gone and you've lost it. Because you continue to see the disciples fail over and over again. But Jesus continued to rebuke and say, Let's keep this train going. Just keep on getting near me. Just keep on coming close. Just keep on getting near. So this morning, I'll just say. To all of us, believing that we are disciples of Jesus, come on, we got this. We can do this. We're all right. We're going to do this. Y'all good? All right, we got this. Come on, disciples. Let's do it. All right, so number one. Well, you've got no number one, but I've got a number one, and I'm going to share it with you right now. And you're welcome to write it down if you want to, alongside all the ways in which you love the Lord and you're ready to serve him. I know you're writing on that already. So, one, the disciples rebuked those that brought the children. So we see the disciples are going to rebuke those who brought the children. So let's try to get into the mind of the disciples as the people were bringing children to him that Jesus might touch and bless them. The disciples rebuked them. Right? So that seems like a peculiar thing for the disciples to do, right? We live in a culture that has more value on children than this culture did, but even still, we don't have as much value in children that we should. And so the people are bringing children to the disciples and the disciples have in their mind, right, that, that Jesus has bigger fish to fry or maybe to multiply. I don't know. He's got bigger fish to fry here, All right? We've seen Jesus casting out the demons in Mark 9, 38 and the, people are gonna try, or Jesus, the disciples are going to try to rebuke that man and stop not Jesus but the man who is casting out the demons not in his name. We've seen Jesus rebuke Peter and say, get behind me, Satan. We've seen Jesus rebuke the wind and the sea to calm it down. Jesus rebuking the demons to come out of them. And so the disciples have seen Jesus do some pretty amazing things. Rebuking the wind and the sea. Calling out demons from inside of a man. Taking a man who can't walk and is lame and allowing him to walk and the blind to see. The disciples have seen Jesus do some incredible things, right? I mean, we've looked at Mark chapter 1 through 10 and we've seen Jesus do incredible things. Massive, massive things. Heal sins. Do miraculous signs and wonders. And so for the disciples, I mean, they're like, hey, get the, get the kids away. I mean, like, we don't have time for these kids, right? We've got We've got adults who need, we need people that can't walk to be able to walk. And we've got amazing things. We need some multiplication of some bread here. We're getting hungry. We need all sorts of different things. But kids, hey, hey, just keep them. Jesus has bigger things to do. He's got bigger moments left to do, right? Jesus is probably tired. He doesn't need all these kids coming around him asking for a blessing. We've got bigger things to happen right in front of us. You almost feel that. You can see it in the disciples just saying, hey, rebuking the parents, saying, Jesus ain't got time for you, parents. He's not got time for these kids. Look at what he's done. This man's rebuking the wind and the sea. This man's calling demons out of people. This man is causing the the blind to see and the deaf to hear. He doesn't have time for your children and the touch. Right? And it said this, that the disciples rise Jesus to indignation. That's a word that is not used often of Jesus. Very rarely in Scripture do you see Jesus' emotion rise to anger as we see as he drives out the money changers in the temple. And Mark is the only one that uses the word Jesus was indignant. Jesus was frustrated and angry at the disciples, a righteous anger at the disciples for hindering these children from coming to him. What the disciples believed was an inconvenience to Jesus. That these children were an inconvenience to Jesus. Jesus saw as his primary calling in that moment. And just a side note the same way that the disciples and century would see that the children were inconveniences to Jesus. You can see how we live in a culture that would see children as a mere inconvenience to so many portions of our life. This rises Jesus to the level of indignation. So what was the disciples trying to protect Jesus from? They were trying to protect Jesus from the inconvenience and the frustration and also the weariness of dealing with children, dealing with problems, dealing with the blessing, touching and healing, all these different things. The disciples were trying to protect Jesus from the draining nature of ministry. We Get that for a second. The disciples were trying to protect Jesus from the youngest and most needy of people. And this rose Jesus to the level of indignation. I'll pause for a moment here because I, I think that this is sometimes how the enemy would work in our hearts to tell us. Jesus doesn't have time for your problems. Jesus is dealing with bigger things out there. Right? There's a war going on in Ukraine. There's all sorts of difficult things happening all across the world. God, Jesus doesn't... Hey. He, Just keep it away from him. You feel the disciples trying to guard Jesus against these simple, small issues of children coming to him. And you don't see Jesus saying, you're right. You're right. i got the blind to heal. I've got people to deal with. Keep these children away. You see him say, bring them to me and do not hinder these little and least of these from coming to me. And just with everything, I want to remind you as a church, God is not scared of your problems. He's not too tired to deal with your problems. Your problems are not too insignificant for him. You have not wearied him out with your coming to him. You've not exhausted him in your needs. You haven't come to the point where you are too much of an inconvenience to the Lord to bring your problems to him. And I share that with you because I know the enemy works to say, Jesus, God does not care about you, like your problems time and time again. You've been bringing this stuff to him over and over again. Surely he's tired of hearing about. And I know the enemy works to tell you, man, just God's got bigger fish to fry. He's got bigger problems out there. You are so insignificant in the grand scheme of eternity. Your prayers simply do not matter to the most holy and high God. I know I have felt that a multitude of times. God, sh- surely you're, you're listening. You're somewhere else. Surely you don't care about my insignificant needs. Surely, surely you don't care about the sleepless nights that I stay up wrestling with issues in my heart. Surely you're far off or f- far gone. But what you see is Jesus. Remind us of what he says in Matthew. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Come on. Come to me. Bring it to me over and over again. Cast all your anxieties onto me because I care for you. Don't hinder, Don't keep them from me, but bring them to me. Bring them on. I can take them. I can handle them. These shoulders are wide enough for them. Keep bringing them to me. The most small and insignificant of people or problems are not a drain to Jesus. You You are not a drain to Jesus. You are not exhausting his grace in a way that is not sufficient for you. You are not draining the most holy and high God. And so keep coming. Keep knocking. Keep rolling your request onto the Lord because he cares for you. And here you see the disciples trying to shield Jesus from the problems of the most insignificant of people. And you see Jesus indignant to say, bring them to me. Do not hinder them from coming. And I think this morning you would hear Jesus say, come on. Don't stop bringing your problems. Don't stop bringing your requests. Don't stop bringing your shortcomings. Don't stop bringing your failures. Don't stop bringing your insignificant of need. Bring them on. Come to me. All you today who are weary and burdened and heavy laden and don't think you can take another step. Come to me, all you who have been praying for something for years and years and years and you think I'm not listening. Keep bringing it. So, Where the disciples try to protect Jesus. Jesus says, come on, bring it to me. Come on, keep bringing it. Come on, keep coming to me. And then he demonstrates what the kingdom of God is like. He says, "Let the little children come to me; do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God." Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. That's a good word. I say, Who, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child won't enter it. Does that mean that we should have, like I said several weeks ago, childlike faith? Absolutely. Not childish faith, but childlike faith. Today, if we were to walk out here and if we were to see a big old puddle of mud and a four-year-old playing in that puddle of mud, just rubbing mud all over themselves and beginning to make mud pies and begin to take that bite of that mud, uh, you would think, that's ah, normal four-year-old behavior. That sounds like a, a good four-year-old that's got their priorities straight, right? Just playing in the mud. Somewhere around there, you're probably going to see a parent running up and losing their minds, but for the most part, that's a pretty normal four-year-old behavior. Finding mud, playing in said mud, said mud is priority for the day, right? Mud is great for a four-year-old. Let's say today you will walk out and see a 44-year-old, finds the same mud puddle, sits down in their Sunday best, and begins playing in the mud, rubbing the mud all over themselves, begins to make a mud pie, and begins to eat that mud gets to spend the day talking about the mud and living in the mud, rubbing the mud all over themselves. Friends, we may have a different issue at hand, right? We have childlike faith, but not childish faith. At some point, we grow up in our faith, but do not lose the wonder and trust that we first established when we trusted in Jesus. I think back to this past Tuesday when I went up uh, to see our kids camp and we had an amazing group of our 4th, 5th, and 6th graders at Camp Lee, and Carol just did such a fantastic job along with a, an array of wonderful counselors and our interns. It was such a special uh, day just walking around, taking in all that was happening at our kids camp. For years, we've gone to Camp Lee, and we've taken seriously our preschool children and youth programs, and so to be up there on this Tuesday was so much fun. We walked in, and Um, uh, the the four of us that went to Camp Lee did not want to have the chili dogs, and so we stopped and had lunch before we got to Camp Lee. Um, But it was neat to walk up and hear what the kids had done. They woke up, and from the moment they woke up, every need and desire that they had was taken care of. They woke up and breakfast was provided for them. They woke up and games were everywhere. Fun was everywhere to be had. They worshiped together. They had small group Bible study together. They went and had chili dogs and all sorts of stuff before they went to the heat of the day. God bless their little stomachs, right? And so they went and had all this fun and enjoyment. And everywhere they went, there were just leaders that just walked them precisely where they were going to go. Hey, let's go to the pool. Hey, let's go to the zip line and go down this incredible thing. And I was sitting out there on the zip line watching these kids come down with joy radiating from their eyes and from their hearts as they went down the zip line. As the kids were just cheering one another on as they went to their next activity. They were just every need taken care of for that week. Counselors just investing in them. Food provided for, snacks everywhere, drinks everywhere. They didn't have a care or a worry in the world. They knew they were laying their head on their pillow to Larry Gay, reading scripture over them to put them to sleep. Every moment of that day taken care of. Absolute trust in everybody around them. And at some point as we grow up, the cares and the snares of this world begin to choke that Christ-like faith out. We begin to think, God, surely, surely you're not going to provide in this way. Surely, God, you're not going to provide here. Surely, Lord, there's something that can come up. Surely I've got to take care of this. And we begin to begin to worry our way out of our faith. Our anxiousness begins to well up and say, God, where are you? You've lost. Where are we going to do? What are we going to do? How's this going to work? How's this going to happen? And we begin to lose the childlike faith. And so Jesus says, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child, that would say, Lord, I don't understand it. I don't understand how your grace is sufficient for me and I've got to do nothing but trust in you. But we receive the kingdom of God in that way. Daily, trusting in the Lord. Daily, taking the next right step that's in front of us. Daily, trusting in his hand of provision. Daily, feasting on his daily bread. And so let the children come. And do not hinder. As a church, we don't say, hey, let's get the adults, let's get the adults taken care of. Let's make sure the adults are taken care of, and then you know, maybe if there's enough left over, we'll we'll invest in our kids. That's why as a church, we see the great benefit for years upon years of investing heavily. Preschool, children, and youth. They're not an afterthought at our church. They are an amazing part of our church. We look at our children and we see the kingdom of God represented in the way that we love and care for our children, the way they trust in the Lord, the way they just go into their schools and want to tell their friends about Jesus, the way they want to go and read their Bibles. They demonstrate to us a portion of what it means to look at and follow Jesus. So let the little children come. And friends, receive the kingdom of God like a child. And I'll leave you with these words. Come on, disciples. We can do this. The Lord has called us to it. Let's learn from our past mistakes, but let's look and go forward in God's grace that is sufficient. Let's walk with the Lord. Let's trust in the Lord for our daily bread. And let's take the next right step of obedience that the Lord puts on our pathway. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your abundant grace that is ultra-sufficient. But let us learn daily what it means to follow and trust in you. Let us walk with you. Let us pour our hearts and souls into these next generations. Lord, thank you that you are not drained from our problems, you are not exhausted from our issues, but that you would continually beckon us towards you. We thank you for your goodness. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.